Welcome to the Finding Hoffa podcast. This episode is called, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? The purpose of this bonus episode is to keep you, the listener, up to date on the recent news pertaining to Jimmy Hoffa. Drummond from the Finding Hoffa podcast. I'm going to introduce this episode, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Uh, it concerns itself with pairs of brothers and closely related people that were involved in the Jimmy Hoffa disappearance. I'm going to start with Stephen Andretta, and we'll stick with him and his brother and how they were connected with other people. Stephen Andretta, along with his brother Thomas Andretta of New Jersey, were believed to have had hands on involvement in the Hoffa disappearance. And um, as many people know, Jimmy Hoffa disappeared from a parking lot in Bloomfield Township, Oakland County, Michigan, on July 30th, 1975. The brothers Andretta are listed as suspects in the FBI's Hoffa's memo. The Hoffa's memo is a 56-page report summarizing the first six months of that investigation. It involved over 250 government agents. This memo was compiled by special agent in charge, Robert Garrity, and it was made available to the Department of Justice in late January of 1976. The document is often referred to along with the information contained in over a thousand pages of documents that were discovered in a file cabinet left in a building in Detroit. The FBI had used this building as a field office in the 1970s and later abandoned it for another location. These additional files were accidentally discovered when the building was being refurbished to use it for another purpose. The Hoffa files were temporarily in the possession of the Detroit media, and some of the information was published in the Detroit Sunday Journal in 1997. Eventually, these files were handed over to Barbara Ann Crancer, the daughter of Jimmy Hoffa. The Hoffa's memo was made public after some of these same media personnel made references to it, and the copies were released for the public use in 2006. Both the Hoffa's memo and the additional Hoffa files contain the information listing closely related sets of brothers. These men were suspected as being the orchestrators and planners of the abduction, murder, and disposal of the body, as well as a cover-up ruse. Stephen and Thomas Andretta were listed as one of these pairs of brothers. Steve Andretta first spoke of their involvement with the disappearance when he visited a former associate and part of Provenzano's crew in August of 1975. This informant, this man became an informant later on, but in August of 75, Ralph Picardo had been imprisoned on a a major felony involving a murder conviction, and it was during that visit that Stephen Andretta revealed to him that some of the members of Anthony Tony Provenzano's crew 
had traveled to Michigan from New Jersey and participated in a plot against Hoffa. The details of the murder and the abduction weren't completely shared, but a few important facts did come to light. Stephen Andretta told Ralph Picardo that Hoffa was abducted, murdered, and his body was, one, placed in a 55-gallon steel drum, two, the body was shipped specifically by a gateway transportation company truck, and three, it was delivered to an unknown destination for burial. On September 5th, 1975, Tony Provenzano, also known as Tony Pro, was summoned before a federal grand jury in Michigan investigating the Hoffa case, which is also referred to as Hoffix. This is the name that's attached to most of the investigation. Uh, it surmised that Hoffix is talking about the Hoffa extortion and then modified just as Hoffix. Provenzano went before this grand jury that was investigating the case, but he failed to answer any facts about his involvement, and he pleaded the Fifth Amendment. This is early in September 1975. About a month later, October 10th, 1975, the CEO of Gateway Transportation, John Murphy, was seen by the Secret Service with Hoffa's rival, Frank Fitzsimmons, who was the International Brotherhood of Teamsters president at the time. And they were golfing with ex-president of the United States, Richard M. Nixon, at the Rancho La Costa Resort near San Diego, California, with a list of Hoffick's memo suspects, including the Provenzano crew, Roland McMaster, Teamsters Pension Fund trustees, and the Maislin brothers. So here's some more brothers involved. The Maislins from Canada eventually bought out the Gateway Transportation Company and drove it into bankruptcy four years later. Also present, with these golfers were a list of attorneys that had defended Jimmy Hoffa in the past, including individuals from Hoffa's personal attorney, Dave Previant's law firm out of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. The La Costa event had hosted practically the same list of people, with the exception of Nixon, a year before this in 1974. Almost the entire Rancho La Costa resort was built by loans originating from the Teamsters Central States Pension Fund. A few weeks after the La Costa event, Ralph Picardo, who had, as I said, belonged to Provenzano's crew, began to talk to the FBI about his earlier prison visit with Stephen Andretta in August 75. Picardo provided these details in the first week of November coinciding with Picardo becoming an FBI informant this first week in November, another event that hasn't been noticed by many research, uh, those researching this case, that back in Union City, New Jersey, Tony Provenzano st- 
stepped down from the presidency of Local 560, and his brother Nunzio Provenzano took over the, his in his place. He became the president. Now, these two brothers were involved with Local 560, which was one of the largest Teamsters locals in the country. Shortly afterward, another source confirmed some of the things that the informant Picardo had divulged to the FBI. The only difference in the second report was that the body might, may have been shipped in a large pickle barrel containing brine. Even so, the huge trucking company, Gateway Transportation, is again specifically mentioned. This protected source said that those transporting the body were worried about the delivery in the barrel or drum. Later in December, specifically the 4th through the 6th of December 1975, some information from the federal grand jury investigating Hoffa's disappearance was made known. The public heard from Robert Osier, the head of the Organized Crime Strike Force in Michigan. He called for specific members of New Jersey's Provenzano crew to appear before this grand jury. Those crew members included the brothers Salvatore and Gabriel Bergoglio and the brothers Stephen and Thomas Andretta. They had been ordered to appear in a lineup by Eastern Michigan District Judge James Churchill. Churchill had been newly appointed by Gerald Ford in 1974. Next, the group was questioned in front of the grand jury in Oakland County, Michigan, at the county government center. Another teamster was with them by the name of Roland McMaster from Michigan. He was questioned along with them. McMaster was known to have been connected to a Detroit area gateway transportation terminal. He also was a prime suspect behind the recent anti-Hoffa violence that had taken place between rival union factions that either supported Jimmy Hoffa or Frankfurt Simmons. This violence included the shotgunning of a local 299 president, Dave Johnson's office. Dave Johnson also had his yacht exploded or blown up on the Detroit River previous to this. In addition, there were serious assaults on individuals. One that we know about was Hoffa supporter Ralph Proctor. It should be noted that Ralph Proctor was found shot to death in Detroit on August 10th, 1984, years after this, and it was labeled as a professional killing. There was also a recent car bombing of the car owned by the vice president of Local 299, Richard Fitzsimmons. Yes, he was the son of International Brotherhood of Teamsters Union President Frank Fitzsimmons. Beginning in 1974 through July of 1975, Roland McMaster was suspected to have ordered his crew of thugs to shake down trucking companies and businesses throughout the Midwest, including the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. I myself came face to face with three of his shakedown crew in 1974 in Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan, at a business producing parts to be shipped to the Chrysler tank plant in Detroit. That was an event that I'll never forget. Getting back to the original informant, 
Ralph Picardo as to what he told the FBI after hearing from Stephen Andretta. Picardo had only speculated about possible locations of Hoffa's body. It's where he thought they may have taken the body or where it could have been shipped. He stated that in the past, the Provenzano crew had used a certain location in the state of New Jersey to dispose of bodies. He didn't know if the place in New Jersey was where Hoffa was taken, and he did admit it was only his own speculation. So, in other words, he was only guessing about a location in New Jersey where the gateway transportation truck could have gone. His speculation proved many years later to be a ruse to confuse that loop back on itself as we had predicted it would. The next step with the December 1975 grand jury was the questioning of those involved with the Gateway Transportation Terminal in Detroit. It came to light that suspect Roland McMaster's brother-in-law, Stanton Barr, was running that terminal. McMaster and Barr were married to a pair of sisters from the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, and they both owned secluded properties there. Barr also owned a house in Sault Ste. Marie, which is on the northern U.S. border with Canada. It was further discovered that McMaster had a shakedown crew of violent acts, and they were responsible for these acts throughout Michigan. Some of these people that were on his crew were connected to a terminal in Detroit belonging to a related trucking company called Time DC. This company, Time DC, also had a terminal in New Jersey. It was caught up in extortion and a scheme that began simultaneously against them in November of 1975 by the orders from Tony Pro's brother, Nunzio Provenzano. In addition to this, it's noted that Time DC was a major interstate trucking company in the United States, and it was in trouble along with the Teamsters Union for discriminatory hiring practices going back as far as the 1950s with Jimmy Hoffa. On August 8, 1975, just over a week after Hoffa disappeared, the U.S. Court of Appeals of the Fifth Circuit delivered a ruling against Time DC and the Teamsters Union. The CEO of this company was also the president of the American Trucking Associations and a close associate of John Murphy and Jimmy Hoffa. These CEOs were connected to the Central States Pension Fund and the Department of Defense and its contracts with businesses. Both of them were neck deep with Jimmy Hoffa in some of Hoffa's own business ventures. These connections were never made public until recently, and this ties to the modem, the motive and timing of the plot to erase Hoffa from this earth and to make things more profitable for the future of organized crime, namely La Cosa Nostra. Now, while some of this was spilling out and leaking to the press in Detroit and New Jersey, Stephen Andretta once again got involved in the narrative by creating an alibi for the rest of Tony Provenzano's crew. He reported to the FBI that he and his brother Thomas were in New Jersey together on the day that Jimmy Hoffa vanished. And he said they, 
the Provenzanos and the Bergoglio brothers were all playing cards together at the Union Hall in Union City, New Jersey. Well, this alibi fell apart years later when another informant revealed that Tony Pro was in the Detroit area on the night before Hoppe disappeared. The informant was also tied to Roland McMaster and to a Time DC trucking terminal in the Detroit area. But in a matter of a few days after this, in December of 1975, the combined actions of Stephen Andretta, Roland McMaster, and the Provenzano crew had the entire investigation checking into gateway transportation. It was learned quickly that the CEO, John Murphy, and his family had offices near Chicago, Illinois, and Gary, Indiana. McMaster and his brother-in-law, Stanton Barr, said that they attended a meeting there on the day that Hoffa disappeared and weren't in Michigan. The meeting they used for their alibis was a meeting with the CEOs of Gateway Transportation and possibly other trucking company CEOs of related businesses. John Murphy, the CEO of Gateway Transportation, failed to appear before the federal grand jury. Prosecutors were provided with a flimsy flimsy excuse from the officials at their headquarters in La Crosse, Wisconsin. They said that Murphy could not be reached because he was out of town. So Murphy never showed up. And no action was taken to establish Murphy's whereabouts. But six employees, including Roland McMaster's brother-in-law, Stanton Barr, were questioned by the grand jury. Nothing definitive was discovered except the Detroit terminal had no record of shipping barrels or drums to their New Jersey terminals. The New Jersey terminals may have received some steel drums during that time period, but none were on record as coming from the Gateway Terminal out of Detroit. Before any of this cooled off, the investigation was again pinned to the aforementioned location that Picardo supplied of Brother Philip Moscato's dump. Philip Moscato and a partner owned a landfill operation near the Pulaski Highway. It was a place in the past where it was rumored that the Provenzano crew would use it to dispose of bodies. This was speculated by the informant, Ralph Picardo, also as alluded earlier, Tony Pro, the brothers Bergoglio, and the brothers Andretta were suspected in the sudden disappearances of two of their own crew. At least one of the victims' physical remains were said to have been buried in the dump. This victim's name was Armand Fogno. He was a Genovese crime family loan shark who had vanished three years earlier in 1972. The New York Times reported on December 12, 1975, in an article by Joseph F. Sullivan, that the FBI obtained a search warrant for Armand Fogno's body in Philip Moscato's dump. They did so in order to apply pressure on the Provenzano crew to turn over evidence about the Hoffa disappearance. They are quoted to say 
if the solution to Mr. Fogno's murder involves Mr. Bergoglio and Mr. Andretta, federal officials believe they do, that they were involved, they could give prosecutors leverage in their attempts to force these two suspects to divulge anything they know about Mr. Hoffa's suspected abduction and murder. Robert Stewart, an attorney for the Federal Strike Force in Newark, New Jersey, and Jonathan L. Goldstein, the United States attorney for New Jersey, said an informant had come forward and provided reliable additional information within the past 24 hours on the location of Armand Fogno's body. So they weren't looking for Hoffa in the dump. They were using the dump to apply pressure on the suspects in New Jersey as a means for them to go on in their investigation about what actually happened to Jimmy Hoffa. So it was a lever. It was a lever to force the suspects to talk about what they did to Jimmy Hoffa. It was not directions to where Hoffa's body was located. Armand Fogno, the missing man's name, there was also another one that they were going to use. His name was Anthony Three Fingers Castellito. Again, they were going to use these missing men as pressure on the suspects to find out what actually happened to Jimmy Hoffa. Castellito was believed murdered by Tony Provenzano and Salvatore Berguglio in 1961. Yes, it was the intention of the prosecution to squeeze the New Jersey Hoffix memo suspects for these other disappearances to get them to provide information about what happened to Hoffa. Instead, some overzealous press reporters jumped the gun and misinterpreted the Department of Justice plan of action with the search of Armand Fogno. As soon as these things came to light, the focus changed. There was a frenzy of East Coast press. They picked up on misinformation. They ran with it. The search warrant was for the body of this missing loan shark and crew member of Tony Provenzano's crew. However, unofficial and unidentified sources apparently stated to a few bedazzled reporters that the whole story from the FBI and the Department of Justice was just a smokescreen. And really, they reported that the FBI was looking for Hoffa's body in Moscato's dump and not Armand Fogno. Again, this all goes back to the role that Stephen Andretta played in 1975. The vast majority of the original investigators officially rejected the idea that the body of Jimmy Hoffa was transported out of Michigan and hundreds of miles away to New Jersey to a place that was already under surveillance for illegal dumping and under suspicion uh, as a place that the local gang land organized crime La Cosa Nostra would use to dispose bodies. It, however, became a great ruse in favor of La Cosa Nostra, and until just lately, was something that dominated the Hoffa narrative. Because of Stephen Andretta's original statements to Ralph Picardo, the Jimmy Hoffa investigation split between the state of Michigan and the state of New Jersey, and after almost 50 years, we're still dealing with it. 
For the past three years, the media was again pinned down to the old Pulaski Skyway PJP Philip Brother Moscato dump along the Hackensack River in New Jersey. In July of 2022, after doing an extensive survey of this urban legendary site, the FBI used scientific means to establish that there was no evidence that Hoffa's body was buried there. From 2015 through 2022, the New Jersey dump idea was recycled and repeated, and it was an old story that began 50 years ago with the disappearance of Fogno in 1972, three years before Hoffa disappeared. It's one idea that's gotten too much mileage. It was all on the say of the members from Tony Provenzano's crew after Tony Pro had died in prison. He went to prison for shaking down trucking companies and specifically the murder conviction of Anthony Three Fingers Castellito. But it was not over because in December 1975, while the press was going crazy over the dump idea in New Jersey, back in Oakland County, Michigan, the federal grand jury and the organized crime strike force, along with District Judge Ralph M. Friedman, tried to get cooperation from Steve Andretta. They even offered him immunity from prosecution in that case. And they did indeed apply pressure on him through the Fogno murder disappearance from 1972 and with the things he allegedly told Ralph Picardo in August of 1975. But Stephen Andretta had also, as did McMaster and the Provenzano crew, retained William Buffalino Sr. as their legal counsel. Yeah, the same man Hoffa used in some of his legal scrapes. William Bill Buffalino was a cousin of the infamous quiet Don from Sicily and then Pennsylvania, Russell Buffalino a Hoffick's memo suspect. William Buffalino Sr. won five out of seven trials for Jimmy Hoff. He lost, though, the second test fleet trial charge for jury tampering and another one for mail fraud involving pension funds in 1964. These two losses sent Hoffa to Lewisburg Federal Penitentiary in 1967. The first loss, the first court case lost by William Buffalino Sr. was connected with Jimmy Hoffa and the CEO of Commercial Carriers and Time DC by the name of Walter F. Carey. The second loss connected him to the CEO of Gateway Transportation. John Murphy. So, two CEOs, two trucking companies, all connected with Jimmy Hoffa and connected to the suspects. Ironically, William Buffalino Sr. abandoned Hoffa right before Hoffa vanished and right after his cousin Russell Buffalino became a Hoffa suspect. William Bill Buffalino was a made man. His daughter married into the family of Detroit LCN Hoffick suspects 
and brothers, Anthony Tony Jack and Vito Billy Jack, Jackaloni. Here's another set of brothers. Oh, brother. Anyway, Tony Jack was also married to a Provenzano. Thus, it completes a circular web to the main La Cosa Nostra family suspects. Yeah, the Buffalinos, the Jackalones, and the Provenzanos, all, without a doubt, were deeply connected to the unsolved Jimmy Hoffa case. The next thing Stephen Andretta did was to refuse to cooperate with the federal grand jury that was taking place in Michigan. And even though he was given immunity to prosecution, he continued to dodge basic questions and stall the progress of the hearings by consulting over and over again with his lawyer, William Buffalino Sr., to the point that Judge Ralph M. Freeman placed Andretta in the Milan Federal Penitentiary for contempt of court. Stephen Andretta refused to answer the first question they put to him at the grand jury, which was, where were you last July 30th, 1975, the day that Mr. Hoffa disappeared? And he wouldn't answer that question. He had been uncooperative with the jurors' questions and continued to stall any progress with the hearings. So he was sent to prison on December 11th, 1975. Andretta appealed because he had been given immunity through the prosecution headed by Robert Osher. But his appeal was denied due to his failure to obtain counsel and for contempt. Not related to the specifics of his involvement in the Hoffa disappearance. So they basically told him, well, if you lie under oath, or if you stall our progress, you're in contempt, and for contempt, you're going to the lockup. He was not immune to those particular offenses, according to the appellate court. The court contacted Andretta and told him he must retain another person for counsel because William Buffalino Sr. was suddenly hospitalized. Buffalino Sr. would be unavailable for an undetermined length of time, so Andretta was stuck in prison until he hired William Buffalino Jr. to represent him. Buffalino Jr. argued his contempt case but lost, and Stephen Andretta would enter the courtroom and concern himself of the makeup of the jury and what agencies were investigating him rather than cooperating with their questions. He was ordered to cooperate with the grand jury and answer the questions they put to him. On July 22, 1976, he finally began to cooperate. He'd been sitting there for a while now. The New York Times published the information a day later in an article by Agus Salpukas. That's truly his name. Who had been covering the story since December and January. 
Stephen Andretta sat in prison for 63 days, and he was the only Hoffix memo suspect that was imprisoned for being directly related to the disappearance of Jimmy Hoffa. His answers appear to have confirmed that some of the information he originally shared with the informant Ralph Picardo back in September and in August of 1975, especially the details of the drum and trucking company scenario, were what he stood by. Following these events, the Department of Justice began to relentlessly pursue all of the Hoffix memo suspects for other crimes. Stephen Andretta and his brother Thomas were convicted for extortion and fraud connected to the C-Train company. C-Train specialized in shipping containers used by water, rail, and the trucking industry. This company became famous when it was showcased several times on a popular TV series back then, Hawaii Five O. But it suffered huge financial problems during the time they were being shaken down and went bankrupt in 1981. When the Andrade's brothers emerged from prison later, they played things a little bit differently. They were in a very, very low-profile status. Steve and Andretta ran a trucking company afterward and eventually employed the surviving Bergoglio brother, Gabriel. Russell Buffalino went to prison for other crimes, and Nunzio Provenzano went to prison for shaking down companies and their CEOs, including the already mentioned Time DC Trucking Company. Other Hoffick's memo suspects were also convicted of crimes. Tony Provenzano was convicted for the 1961 murder of Anthony Three Fingers Castellito. Sal Bergoglio was also charged for the same crime. Even though there was no body, they were charged for that murder, and Provenzano was convicted. Tony Pro died in prison, and Salvatore Bergoglio was gunned down before he even appeared for that trial. Shortly after the hit on Salvatore Bergoglio on March 21st, 1978, it came to light that he also had become an, inf an informant for the government. Bergoglio provided testimony against the owner of the dump. Yes, brother Philip Moscato, he provided testimony about his alleged illegal connections to a New Jersey businessman named Ray Donovan. Ray Donovan eventually became the Secretary of Labor of the United States in the early 1980s under the Reagan administration. There's no doubt that Donovan was very much associated with Teamsters Union presidents Jackie Presser and Roy Williams. Both those men had succeeded Frank Fitzsimmons, and both were connected to organized crime. But at the time, Little Cosa Nostra needed someone in government to help them keep access to what was known as the mob's piggy bank. The loss of control came well before Jimmy Hoffa disappeared because the ERISA Act of 1974 began to place the trusteeship and the power structure of this pension fund into other hands. And much of it 
would wind up at the discretion of the Secretary of Labor. It appears the LCN succeeded in establishing an undefined association with someone that had the power to curtail official actions against the mob's activities involving the central states, Teamsters, Union, Pension Fund. Ray Donovan was investigated and eventually acquitted from charges, but he also resigned from his position and was replaced. Ultimately, the days of the mob's access would wane under new union leadership, which eventually came under James P. Hoffa, Jr. There were other motives besides access to the pension fund that prompted the original hit on Jimmy Hoffa, Sr. at the time that that happened. The final thing we see with Stephen and Thomas Andretta was how they managed to confuse the news media that they both had died and were no longer in the picture. Even before the forensic evidence that had been collected from the car believed to transport Hoffa to his ultimate murder, even when that, before that was analyzed in this millennium, many reports had already surfaced that either Steve Andretta or Thomas Andretta had died. This misinformation ruse was highly effective. It continued until we had Hava, that when we were looking into this, it had continued all the way through to 2015. We were trying to find out where it had come from that either one of them had passed away because we knew they were alive. In 2015, we found an obituary from New Jersey that specifically stated that Stephen Andretta Jr. had died and his father, Stephen Andretta Sr. survived. We also located Thomas Andretta, and he was alive at that time. We posted this knowledge on our website in early 2019. It was not until the end of 2019 that three high-profile journalists were discussing the deaths of the suspects, and one of them thought that the information about the Andretta brothers may be incorrect. And shortly after that, they announced what we had already made public well before that time, that the Andretta brothers had not been dead and that the whole plan to eliminate Hoffa was conducted mainly by sets of brothers and close relatives in order to keep the secrets of the Hoffa mystery intact. And even so, there still exists confusion among the media commentators as to which Andretta was still living, even now. Well, to clear things up, Thomas Andretta did pass away in January of 2019, and we announced that. Now we are announcing that suspect and brother, Stephen Andretta, died recently on December 12th, 2022 in New Jersey. That's right. They're both dead, and it's not a ruse. Now, it only leaves one Hoffick's memo suspect alive, and that would be Gabriel Bugs Rugulio. It's only one. 
we again are announcing this to the public on this podcast, as we have not heard from any other journalists following this story currently that has mentioned anything about the death of Stephen Andretta. So our listeners are hearing it most likely before anybody else. Now, as to the mentioned title, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Well, here's all the brothers that are mentioned, the Andretta brothers, the Bergoglio brothers, the Giacalone brothers, the Provenzano brothers, brothers-in-law, McMaster and Barr, Philip Brother Moscato, and the International Brotherhood of Teamsters. Oh, brother. We also point out that the Buffalino's cousins and the marriages between the Jackalones, Provenzanos, and Buffalinos in Michigan certainly prove that those involved in this mystery were closely related to one another for the purpose of keeping things close and secret and making it extremely difficult to break through and find out the details. If it hadn't been for Stephen Andretta mentioning this to his former crew member, Ralph Picardo, we probably wouldn't know much of any of this. Now we're going to present another episode, and we want our listeners to know when that comes out. It'll be on Jimmy Hoffa's anniversary of his birthday, which is February 14th, the Valentine's Day. We'll be introducing what we call an episode about the gap. So we want you to be looking forward to that on February 14th. It involves an eyewitness account of the uh, abduction phase coming out of the Marcus Red Fox restaurant and a trip down Telegraph Road in a car driven by Hoffa suspects and what these eyewitnesses saw. This is Steve Drummond reporting. Stay tuned. Thanks for listening to bonus episode number eight. Oh brother, where art thou? Please check out our website, findinghoffa.com. Please subscribe and rate our podcast and follow us on Facebook at Finding Hoffa Podcasts. Thanks for joining us and stay tuned.